we put our heads together to both reimagine and lift the bar on what a modern motocross helmet should be. Opt for the highest level of modern technology and energy dispersion with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Designed for an elevated defense against a wider range of real-world impact scenarios. Globally engineered with the most advanced materials and technologies available. Outfit yourself with proven technology, lightweight performance, and elevated impact management with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Hey, welcome to the Swap Moto Podcast presented by Fly Racing. Um, today we've got my longtime buddy Michael Lindsay in here who has been... Uh, Let's see what are the what are the statuses between you and I? We've been co-workers at Enzo Racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've just been buddies at the track. We've been fellow uh, journalists when you're at Vital, and uh, then you're an independent journalist slash YouTuber, mm-hmm. and now you are a team owner. <clears throat> so Michael owns the Chaparral. Motorsports FXR 6D Honda team, or what is the what is the? It's actually name? it's actually FXR Chaparral Honda as of right now, but that's pretty close. That was some of the sponsors, yeah. This, the the three in a row. Okay, so when did planning for the team actually begin? Uh, I guess in the most basic aspect, right before outdoors, um, I became friends with uh, friends. I met Jerry Robin a couple times last year, and I knew a bit about his background and story and. Uh, wasn't my intention to be like, ah, oh, I should start a race team. I just saw that Jerry went the full true privateer route. Like, you know, everybody throws around that term anymore. Privateer this, privateer that. Dude did all the West Coast Supercross and all outdoors, drove driving his van to every single race, just staying in motels, random people's couches, uh, working on his own bike, going to the line by himself. Dude was, uh, like, a lot of people talking about fantasy last week because he'd qualify inside the top ten every week. Um, outdoors, oh God, he, he passed Ferrandis and ran fourth at Unadilla for over 20 minutes before he hit the deck. He was run fourth place in outdoor national on a bike that basically just had headwork and ECU from race tech. And he just, I don't know, at the end of the year, I, I knew that nobody was looking at him as seriously as they should have. Mm-hmm. And I know that he had worked months of road construction and like spent every dime he could come up with to do it. Nobody was going to do like put out a serious effort for him so we were talking i think it was at paul paula national i went to him like hey do you know what you're going to do and he's like well i'm talking to this person but I, I really have no clue i'm like well if it comes to it the end of outdoors nothing's available i'll figure out a way to get you bikes and maybe get you to the races next year and so it kind of was like diddling around with it during the summer put together some proposals went to some oem some different partners and just Somewhere along the way, I, I wish I would have kept a better track of how this went down. Mm-hmm. But honestly, um, I started getting some OEM interest. And it actually came to the point of some of the interest was like, well, are you going to take a second guy? How are you guys going to do this? And I was like, well, at first I thought we'd van life it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, m- maybe I read into things a little too much. Some guys seemed to want to offer more if I could put something bigger together. And other friends of mine, like Justin Starling, was kind of looking at doing his own thing. Really didn't have a, a spot for the next year. And then, lo and behold, um, uh, also if people have probably watch all my YouTube stuff. Know I'm good friends with our YouTube kid Jeff Walker. I knew he wanted to do something. And then Chris Blows got involved. And before I knew it, I was gonna actually run a full fledged team. <laughs> Definitely not what I set out and intended to do. Um, I also thought we had a semi lined up that kind of fell through in the middle late fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I bought the tractor out of pocket um, and the trailer the first week of November because I was kind of already 
too deep per se. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why, why did you go the semi route rather than like a fifth wheel? Uh, so I know everybody in sling jumps. Oh, why, why would you waste money on a semi? I've had a few people ask that. So I won't say how much I bought it for, but I'm in the semi cheaper than a brand new sprinter van. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of wish I would have, in retrospect, one of the easiest options is to take what a lot of people call either a, a garage coach or a toter home. Mm-hmm. Uh, toter home's like a, you know, a semi like with like a... that Chisholm's driving? Chisholm's is what I would call a garage coach. It's on truck chassis, but it's got a full motorhome body with a garage. And then mm-hmm. a toter home is a um, a truck chassis with usually around a 10 to 15 foot living quarters. Because as soon as you put a bathroom and a bunch of stuff in, it becomes an RV. Mm-hmm. And um, and a fifth wheel trailer behind it. Technically speaking, um, some people do it illegally, but toter homes with sponsorship all over them become a commercial enterprise. Once I figured out that if I actually plastered it head to toe... It's one thing if you own the company that owns it, like if it's some dude that has money, they're common in drag racing because, oh, it says something oil on or something. If the dude mm-hmm. owns it, doesn't really matter. But as soon as you start plastering with a bunch of paid sponsors, which is kind of required, it, it becomes tricky. You can get in big trouble. You you need CDL. You need everything proper at that point. So at mm-hmm. that point, it's like, screw it. Um, most OEMs and people prefer the true presence of a real semi at that point it mm-hmm. does suck to say but a lot of people oh why do teams waste their money on this yeah at a certain point it it crosses over really quick depending on what size you're doing it at mm-hmm. if, if you have enough personal funding to do it and it's literally one rider yeah vans are great as soon as you step over into the deep level of needing a certain amount of pit presence to satisfy satisfy sponsorship you jump past the the toner garage coach into a full rig pretty quick mm-hmm. And definitely, oh, it's, everybody takes you a little more serious. It's a little easier to get a parking priority and things like that. And definitely looks nicer. Then you have plenty of space. You don't have to worry about freaking storage any means. Once you get up to like three bikes and you mm-hmm. need all the spares and everything, like, yeah. I mean, I haven't nearly come close to filling mine yet, but I can see how quickly it could happen. <laughs> okay. Um, manufacturer support. So you have support and of some means from honda correct yes directly would, would you feel like uh do you feel like your relationship with honda from your previous uh, uh position as a journalist helped you uh slide in there or was it did you go a different route without uh utilizing the same connections you'd already made in your job at vital I mean, in general, the industry, of course, the journalist thing paid off. I, I know multiple people that have approached me once we showed up A1 or everything. They're like, I can't believe you pulled this off. I'm like, if it wasn't for what I've done the past seven or eight years specifically, nobody would have believed me. Not by a mile. Um, OEM-wise, uh, I think it helped that I had a good relationship with them. If you go back look at like share results, I've never babied Honda by any means. I've always been very honest. Um, but I think the way I've done review stuff, they've always been, they've thought I've been very fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely that side of it liked me. Um, it probably helped past relationship with Ross. Some of the guys in racing, I actually know through your brother, mm-hmm. um, like Sam Mishima and some of the guys that are higher up I've met and, and Keo, a lot of those guys I've met through Ross and been to lunch with them with him and gone to maybe chat or know them a little better than just in passing at a race. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe and Brandon, I directly deal with, I've met multiple times. So yeah, a little bit. I, I didn't actually go through, necessarily the like contact that we deal with on the PR side directly to get my support. Um, I did go a slightly different route, but definitely my past job helped that mm-hmm. by quite a bit. It, they definitely knew that 
you know, definitely every year I, I hear brands have there's somebody with money from the outside. It's like, oh, I'm going to start a team or do this and that. I mean, if you got enough cash in your pocket in motorsports, you can fix about anything with enough money. But if you don't have money and you don't have contacts, then you're really hosed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, what is the extent of the support you have with Honda? Are they providing you bikes and a parts allowance? Bikes, parts allowance, yeah, and a little <laughs> bit of contingency help. So, um, and then. They're at least the people, because I know probably every person on their 450 team I've at least met chat with a few times. Some I know better than others. Um, I have a good relationship with the majority of the members of the Geico team. So I wouldn't say, like, they don't give me a sheet of everything to do, but if I have questions, I'll answer at any like, point. I come up like, hey, um, you know, we're working on this. What do you think of me going down this route with this part or um, doing this as a modification? Like, is this a good idea not? They'll tell me yes, no. They'll even point me in the right direction on certain things. We definitely get plenty of information from them. Certain things that, now I say parts problem, but hey, at a professional level, you know, Supercross Whoops does this type of degradation to like this. I'm be like, so you should time this out different than you normally would for yourself riding motocross or stuff mm-hmm. like that. So they give me good info. Or hey, as hard as these guys seat bounce stuff, like the seat slips a little, make this little bracket and just things like that. They're willing to, mm-hmm. that they've learned that makes it a lot less guesswork. So we're not completely learning at the first race. Have there been things that uh, you're like, well, dumb question because you know everything, right? But I hope in so. some of this, some of this, uh, you know, advice and guidance that they've offered you, has there been any little crazy thing that you're like, whoa, I would have never thought of that. There's a lot of that. Um, not as much around, like, the bikes. Technically, I understood what needed to be done and what needed to be watched. I, Well, like I said, there was still useful information that came in. There was nothing that surprised me. Um, what has surprised me is the logistical side is definitely a freaking nightmare. Um, all the permings with the trucks and stuff is, is mm-hmm. going to drive me up the wall here eventually. But that's slowly getting handled correctly. Um, just... <laughs> Honestly, some of the stuff from what you can do in your pits to parking logistics. Um, one of the funniest, downright funniest ones is so right now we're wearing headsets. The headsets you use at a race and the radios, those are way more expensive than what I budgeted for. I thought I was going to spend like $1,500 on radios. To buy like eight radios, the correct ones you need is like seven or $8,000. Really? Yeah. No, there's stupid stuff like that. Um No, I think technically And then speaking, wasn't there a glitch at the first race or something? Oh, that? dude. All the radios never... That I got <laughs> used radios. I actually, uh, Jamie Ellis from Twisted, because mm-hmm. I was, I kept trying to buy some at a deal, and I kept, like, looking around Craigslist and stuff, and I kept missing good combo ones for cheap that were all on the same frequency. And I had gone, like, only four of them, and I was going to use them for A1, and I made a comment, because I knew Jamie had a bunch of stuff left over. He just hands me a box of, like, eight or ten of them, goes, eh, just give them back to me later. So, currently... Jamie did sponsor me with some radios to borrow for a little <laughs> while until I finally hunt down one for a decent price. Because people eventually sell them. It's just like, I can find ones and twos, but to find a full matching set is actually really hard for a decent price. It's hard to find them where they match up. All the frequencies and everything, yes. Cause, and even with that, they still like, Jamie's, they've been using enough the, the battery slip on them all the time. When you're standing, it's fine. When you're running through the pitch chasing, you know, the guy just damaged a bike or I've been riding a scooter around the races, the battery keeps coming unclipped and jams back into the radio. So it blares in my ear these giant beeping noises <laughs> and fucking destroys my eardrums <laughs> while I'm riding. The scooter, actually, I had a funny one this weekend. Scooter, I'm trying to ride down the pits. I have my, my 1DX and my 300 
over my shoulder because I'm going to shoot some practice photos while calling out times from the stands. So I've got my headset on, pump the scooter, front tire hits a crack right in front of where you turned right to go in the tunnel. Mm. I end over the bar, step out the bars. My camera goes to fly out of my arm and I grab the strap, the shoulder strap. And then the one side of the shoulder strap yanks out and the three arm still goes down. I catch it, run it out. Headset almost flies off. Catch that. I could ever do that again in my best world. I think Maddie Rice or somebody standing next to me was like blown away because they saw the shoulder strap pop and then pop out of the camera and I still uh-huh. caught it. And the scooter goes like bouncing. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck the scooter. <laughs> Dude, I almost crashed on that couple. i not carrying it with the 300 anymore. I saw my light flash before my eyes watching my camera fly through the air. Definitely. <laughs> okay, so you went from potentially hap- helping Jerry Robin on yep. a buddy deal to... A four-man team, right? Because you've also got Cody Shock. Yeah, well, it was originally supposed to be Jeff Walker as well. And everything, like, <coughs> the format has definitely changed a lot as it's mm-hmm. gone along. Originally, we were going to be a West Coast-only team, um, which logistically from West Coast is very easy to pull off. Um, due to Blosa's schedule in Australia and Jerry and Starling both hitting the deck and even um, Walker's schedule, West Coast was becoming... We could have still shown up at A1, but it would have been so... It wouldn't even have been half-assed. It would have been quarter-assed. I really wasn't going to be happy with the level of preparation we had from equipment-wise. Um, I think it's just a, a point of the economy, point of starting from scratch. Like I've heard how a lot of teams have started. It, like I said, if you have enough money behind you, I don't have to wait on things to get through a contract. I could go buy a bunch of stuff. I don't have some huge money investor. I'm dealing with great, great partners and great contacts, but... There's still, I, I am at the mercy at times of, of industry timetables and yearly financial co- deals. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't going to have everything we properly need without me spending a lot of money. Uh, so we just all agreed, hey, we can do East. Um, Starling's based out of Florida. They have a race shop. We can kind of move the operation there for a few weeks. We'll drive to a few rounds. We'll, we'll logistically make the travel budget work. And all the riders were pretty excited because at the time it looked like Wes was going to be insanely stacked, which so far it's just been getting ruined quick with dudes wrecking their brains out. Um, and the guy that's really wonder ID, Starling's from back east, Jerry is. Even though Blos is from Arizona in the hardpack desert, he does really good when it's rutted and nasty. Mm-hmm. Just, he's such a veteran. So, so then it turned into... Oh, we'll field a couple guys on a 450. On on West Rounds, which <laughs> seemed like a great idea, but then today I was going through the parts list of Jerry's bike from this weekend. I was like, well, this is getting expensive fast. We ended up with um, having to replace a swing arm, radiators, two sets of bars this weekend, sets of pipes, um, plastic, clutch perches, couple things. Too big wreck. Uh, first wreck wasn't too bad. The second one where he got caught with Cartwright destroyed a bunch of stuff. And I'm sitting there going, hmm. Maybe we shouldn't be doing as many West rounds. <laughs> this hurts Bart's budget really quick. Mm. But now Chris wanted to do, Chris is actually doing every round technically this year. Um, that was a big thing he won in his contract. He's like, hey, I want to, last couple teams I've never really had even the technical support to go race their coast. Like I have to go find my own bikes, my own parts. So I was like, hey, we'll build you a bike. You can do them. And then Jerry and Justin's point was, oh, we'd like to do a couple to warm up. And it's been smart for us because in retrospect, it wasn't a complete mess at A1, but I was all over the place. It was, A1 was stressful. I, just the couple weeks before getting everything done, just, just just pulling everything together still last minute, even though I started on it over six months ago, there's so many things that came down to the wire. Uh, just getting all the bikes built that week, the photo shoots, because we, we didn't have all of our bikes since so we were using some practice bikes as race bikes and everything. And uh, it's just a couple of, like, 
most of the mechanics are volunteers and buddies of mine. I'm in the garage doing motors at night and stuff. I was having anxiety attacks every morning at 2 a.m., like waking up, freaking out. We got done with A1. I remember being home on Sunday. I wasn't physically tired. I was so emotionally done, though. Mm, I was just sitting on my couch. I really couldn't talk to anybody. I was just like, and if I'm not talking to anybody, you know, that means I'm probably pretty sick. (laughs) (laughs) Because if I have nothing to say, and I just had no emotions about anything, I was so done. But it was good to learn because there's, I think we did a decent job at A1, like guys had their equipment they needed um we did a good job from like a pit presence standpoint they had all their food drink like they had their assets but there's still a difference between being there and giving them the equipment and being a team that can operate and function to the point that it helps elevate the rider um so Mm -hmm. i've been trying to learn a lot about that from a1 on is just figuring out through the day how i can format delegate everything out enough that who needs to be freed up can be more helpful to the riders um figuring out how to you know i've done plenty of testing i know how to diagnose stuff down with rider figure out if they need a change just working with each mechanic to not like when you have a rider come out of a stressful heat race given that few minutes to calm down what each rider works better with who needs to be in the truck and away from people more and maybe focus who does better being a social butterfly um just things you learn about their personalities and things like that it goes a lot farther than just being hey, look, the truck's set up nice and there's bikes and mechanics. To, to honestly, as a team, help a rider, I think, do better. There's there's a lot of little things um, that, that I didn't really understand or expect going into. Technical is not a problem. It's, I don't want to say the psychology side, but just all the little things that go with mm-hmm. it that are definitely, um, I, I don't think anybody can teach you. I made a, a joke in a little video we did about afterwards, I was like, there's there's no way you can learn this. You have to just throw yourself into the deep end of it and experience it and let it go to crap the first time because you can ask for advice probably as much as you want. There's no YouTube videos about it. There's no Google. I keep joking. If you could find something on Google that says how <laughs> to start a race team, it would probably start with the words in all capital, don't do it. Yeah. That's probably what it would honestly say. So, you know, it's funny because you and I didn't talk about it until it was almost Anaheim time, yep. right? <clears throat> so it was like Roscoe's, I'm having brother, brother dinner, and he's like, do you hear Talking Boy starting a race team? And I'm like, I heard something about it, but I'm not going to ask him because I don't want to know. <laughs> but everything that's gone into it, like like I told you, I said, hey, man, good job when I say it Anaheim. And then also uh, I think Starling and I talked on DM a little bit. Yeah. I was like, how's things going? He goes, dude. Michael's crushing it. He's doing good. He's delivered on everything he said. The bike's good. I'm stoked to go racing with him. Yeah. I'm like, wow, okay. The riders are pumped. So it's funny for me to think about you doing this because you're still doing kind of like journalist type things, like carrying your camera around, right? Yeah. So there's things that you can do for your team that other team owners couldn't do because of your experience and your know-how. Yeah. But I guess, dude, it's a simple question, but how are you doing it, dude? I mean, sponsorship money is helping you fund the thing, right? Yeah. So you have four riders <clears throat> and four mechanics, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, your dad is helping. Your mom's helping. Your grandpa's the truck driver, right? Yep. But you're, man, it's, just, it's, it's even for me, you know, getting swap mode alive off the ground, the financials and the, just just the administrative stuff made my head spin, right? Mm-hmm. Thankfully, I've got my wife, who's a badass with business, so she's our controller, right? 
so I can just think about content. But man, how, how are you doing all the the numbers and the payroll and all that kind of stuff? Isn't it? Does because that's a full time job in itself. Yeah, um, like I said, I mean, I wish to say we had enough budget that guys are all making uh, money per typical with um, contracts. The riders' salaries aren't anything special per se. Um, and then mechanic-wise, um, Bose's guys got Arizona has a full-time engine shop job. Works actually for a motor shop other Scotty MX. Um, he's just weekend only, um, but he's really good about knocking out Chris's like race bike stuff on site, making sure it's ready again to go. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris is good. Chris has been in AZ long enough. He's never had a practice mechanic. He takes care of his stuff. Um, Starling and J Rob do quite a bit of the practice bike stuff when they need to. Um, Jerry's mechanic Connor Ehlers has his own business in Minnesota, a crane company. He actually offered really early on. He's like, hey, I've been around Jerry since he was a kid. I want to see him have a real opportunity as well. I'll come out. So he moved out to my house right before Christmas and started helping me think, God, because November, December, Jerry Jerry and Justin were doing a lot of their own practice bike prep, but I was having to do their motor swaps and anything like that myself at night Mm -hmm. and doing top ends, and I was about (laughs) to lose my mind. Um, But no, there isn't. The hard part is the money really just goes into keeping the team moving. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of output. I mean, my grandfather's doing it for free. He's he's retired. He's bored. Well, you know, <laughs> we're bored. He's got plenty of projects at home, but yeah. he thought it'd be cool. Um, my, my whole family's a motorsports family, so my dad works on heavy equipment. And honestly, I think it's fun. He's actually l- literally working, as we speak, on a, a generator unit, not on the trailer, the little gen pack on the truck that runs the air conditioner and stuff. He's working on that right now. So he's a amazing mechanic um so he's been prepping a lot of that stuff working on the trailer anything i need and it's fun to him he misses going to the races from when i raced and before that he helped a buddy run a drag team like mm-hmm. that won NHRA world titles and promon stuff for years so he's all he's known since he was a kid on was racing yeah um so me not racing the last couple of years he liked going to the races when i give him passes and stuff but i think he really misses being around it so my family's doing it. We're doing it from the opportunity of helping guys. I don't make a dime. I I make a little bit of money off my YouTube. I still have a couple me contracts because I'll continue once we get through a racing season. I'll do bike testing again. Um, I don't know. It's a bucket list item. It's probably not the most financially smart thing I've ever done in my life by far. It's probably the worst financial decision mm-hmm. I've made by, by far again for my young life. But I said I'd do it. I don't know. It was something... I always felt like, and I, I'm sure you probably can relate to this, because you've helped quite a few guys behind the scenes in different ways. Mm-hmm. A-Ray, um, Paluzzi, uh, Chris, you've, you've, like I said, when, mm-hmm. and I've done the same, I have guys email, hey, can you get me a boot deal? Can you find me this? Can you find mm-hmm. me this shock? And Okay. Uh, I don't know. As, as media guys, at times I feel like sometimes what I can get my hands on blows my mind when good professional racers can't get it yeah which understanding and is is an argument i have with some racers are like why do you get that i'm like sad to say i have more media pull than you do and not in the sense i work media i mean i can draw more attention to something than you can that's why i have that ability um so i always try to teach writers of course as you see area law guys are getting better with their social media and their interactions it makes them more valuable to a brand Mm -hmm. um i just knew that i probably had enough just enough favors and power managed that I could help guys have a real chance. And from the first time I sat down with the Honda guys, they were like, what do you picture this thing being? I'm like, well, I would like to do it more than one year, of course. 
Um, but mostly, I don't have any pipe dream of, I'm not going to sit here and, I told him right at lunch, I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and BS you that I have some five-year plan to become a championship-winning team or some bullshit. I don't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you guys have, like, Geico for that. Um, I think that I can manage a small enough budget of bikes and parts um, to help riders that need a shot. Um, I think I can tell cool storylines with content with it. I mm-hmm. think I can promote stuff through a retail partner that we have a chaparral to you know stoke the brands that give us product or equipment or promo items enough that it all makes sense in the end that i can continue to run a development program i don't Mm -hmm. ever have some theory that this is going to be my full-time job i know it's going to eat up a part of my year every year but i would like to do it i would like to make it stable enough to continue to help guys there's definitely i mean on one end, I walked the pits this year. There's quite a few semis right now, but I also know the economy could downturn at any time and we could have another slip on these. I would like to not grow the program so big that it becomes financially you know, dependent on some big sponsor. I'd like it to run as much grassroots and on companies and brands in the sport that want to help it, but keep the budget low enough that I'm not draining brands to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and keep... Uh, I would be more than happy if every dude on my team got a better ride next year. Mm-hmm. I want to see them all be able to continue to make a living and do this. Um, so if they're all not here next year because they found better stuff, fantastic. I did my job. I'll go find somebody else to help. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't quite work, I like specifically like Jerry and Chris and Justin, like I said, they're all friends of mine. If one of them needs, needs uh, again next year, I'll do it for them. Mm-hmm. So do you see yourself doing this for, I think we were on the phone the other day and you said three years was your goal. Two Two for sure. I'd like to do it again <coughs> next year because the way the financials work out, um, I, I paid for the truck cash, but I like refinanced it basically. I, if I get through year two, I'm not like losing money at that point. Mm-hmm. And at the end of year two, if if the industry likes what I'm doing and consumers like what I'm doing with content and people like and tune into what we're doing, then I'll roll it. Continue rolling. If it's just kind of in, it's a real. If it's still just an ungodly amount of stress which I mean, it will be stressed to a certain aspect, but if it's, (laughs) if it's just really to the point I'm having to pull every teeth to make it happen, at least that point I'm not out my truck and I can turn around, sell it and I can take that money and, and continue on with content. Maybe finally buy a house. I don't know. Something new Corvette. No, I'm selling the other (laughs) one. Sell my old beater. (laughs) I got to get rid of that thing. Actually got to have cash flow. Teams eat up money. Yeah. Especially preseason. Like that's where I said, like people joke about motorsports. To an extent, if you have enough money, you can fix about anything. Mm. When you don't have money, it's hard to fix things. Yeah. <laughs> if you have enough cash to burn. Because I've talked to a few people, like when Valley was around, I've talked to a few people involved that. I heard the money that was spent the first year. It's it, Like I said, if you don't have the correct industry connections to even just simply get like a wheel deal or sprocket stuff, the amount of parts you burn up is ungodly. Mm-hmm. And and I've had a lot of people approach me and go, oh, why aren't you going to go full-fledged for outdoors? Because I am helping Walker Robin outdoors. I'm not taking the truck to every race. So I'm like, you guys have got to understand, I like being a core enthusiast, I love the Outdoor Nationals. Absolutely love it. I feel bad for teams when you start realizing how much more money they spend out to race. Guys like Genova that do SX only that say outdoors cost them a lot of money are not joking. You burn up two to three times the amount of hard parts alone. Um, the travel is more expensive because the trucks crisscrossing a lot more. Um, the, the races aren't near big cities. The flights are typically more money and weirder to get into. It's, I would love to do it, but that's the other thing I think it would be SX only. It's, it, 
summers when I want to do bike testing anyways, go back to what I consider my normal life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's drastically expensive to run outdoors. <laughs> I haven't even done it. Just looking at it on paper scares me. Yeah. Well, hey, let's take a quick break to uh, hear from my sponsors. And uh, we'll be back yes. for more with Michael. Wh- whoever those sponsors are, thank you very much. I like podcasts. Hey, guys. Hunter Lawrence here. Lately, I've been spending a whole lot of time at the mountain bike trails in the local area on my intense primer. And the thing's badass. For how good it is going up the hill, it's uh, amazing coming down the hill. It's uh, comfortable, nimble, and it doesn't feel uh, like you're going to go over the bars every five seconds. Uh, all their bikes in their lineup are awesome. So... Yeah, you're ready to get serious about training on a cross-country bike or crushing lap times at your local trails. Or if you want to go a bit further, longer and faster, they they just brought out a new Taser e-bike, which is, uh, yeah, everyone's given the double thumbs up on. So head down to your local Intense dealer or or purchase uh, directly at IntenseCycles.com. Check it out, guys. What's up? This is Christian Craig. As a motocross racer, being in top physical shape is a must, and my favorite way to train is cycling. And whether it's road biking or mountain biking, I rely on Roy Cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order. Roy Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Life podcast for additional discounts in the shop. Hey, what's up, guys? Malcolm Stewart. Worst Connection has been building the best aluminum parts in the motocross for the last 30 years. From the awesome Pro Launch Start device and their original adjustable clutch perch assemblies, I am proud to use it on my Motoconcept Honda. Check them out at WorksConnection.com. What's up, Swap Moto fans? The Toyota Escondido Action Sports team supports some of the biggest racers in the sport, like Aaron Plessinger, Shane McElrath, Dean Wilson, Axel Hodges, Colt Nichols, Brian Deegan, and more. With over two decades of supporting racers, we've become known as the place to buy a Toyota truck in Southern California. Toyota Escondido is a proud sponsor of the Swap Moto Live Show, and all you have to do to get the best deal on a quality Toyota truck is mention the show and tell them you want the action sports special. Check us out online at toyotaescondido.com for more. Okay, welcome back to the Fly Racing Swap Moto Podcast. Uh, Once again, I'm here with my buddy Michael Lindsay. What are the three in order? FXR, Chaparral, Honda. 60. Honda. Honda. 60 is a big part of it, though. Okay. Bob's really cool. I'm actually kind of stoked. We're like, we're kind of their main team this year, actually. Yeah. That's not, we're, yeah, we are they, like their they main lost, guy. They lost HEP. Yeah, HEP ended up uh, because I believe because of the Parts Unlimited deal, they had to, they had to take on the Thor uh, helmet, which they're bummed on. Um, they're like 60 guys were like bummed to lose them because they've been with them a few years. Um, it's cool, though. Like, actually, it's really funny as... I tie a few things to your legacy. I think it's hilarious is, uh, you know, they were with Geico for so long. Um, my semi is the original Geico semi from 2000 to 2005. Really? Yes. Okay. Uh, I found that out. Finally, after I got, it, I was able to track who had owned it before, which is funny because uh, another prior Geico employee, Kibbe's helped me with some motor stuff. I remember sending him a picture of the semi when I bought it. I'm like, Hey, does this look familiar? <laughs> and he's looking at it and he's like, yeah, where, what is that? I'm like, you worked out of this truck for a couple of years. Um, also, during that time, 2000-2005, it was the Amsoil Chaparral Honda team. And, mm-hmm. of course, I have Chaparral Honda. And Albia was later 60. was with Geico, and, and we're running Renegade Fuel and Yosh and a bunch of cool stuff like that. I'm like, ah, there's some good DNA in this group. So, yeah. hopefully, it pays off. Hey, of all your sponsors, like you just said Renegade Fuel, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, 
do all sponsors at this level, are they providing free product? Or is there any, <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah. <clears throat> I actually had, I, I'm disappointed in a way. That was something that was a big headache um, that, that caused me quite a bit of heartache in November. Because uh, most most budgets reset the first week of November is pretty common amongst most brands. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people I talked to in the summer when I explained what I wanted to do. No, there's no money involved. But they're like, yeah, we'll take care of you on what you need. No problem. Mm-hmm. Like, we have a great relationship working with you prior. All good. I'm, I'm not going to name names, but a few brands pulled that on me in November after promising me for two or three months I was good. I start getting emails early mid-November that start with, uh, hey, Michael, I'm sorry, but dot 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 um and and it sucked because i'm not much of a negotiator to the point i'm not going to hold like when somebody told me they were going to do something if it was a brand i wanted to work with i had a good relationship with i know the product's good i didn't go counter offer that against like four other people i didn't feel a need to so a few of those got me stuck at the last minute but luckily a few some of them i was able to band-aid and a few of them i actually was able i actually on like two things ran into better deals which i was kind of stoked on um at this level um yes a lot of it's like like the fuel right is that promo to you because like i you know when i've built a bike here or there and had to buy a jug of race fuel yeah it's like good god how can anyone yeah it's um i actually learned a lot about fuel deals i don't know if i guess i'll go i'll go ahead and go into detail on so here's what i've learned about race team fuel deals Yes, there are plenty of teams that get a promo price or a promo amount of, of fuel. Let's just say it's anywhere from 50 to I've heard as high as 600 gallons of free fuel for the year. Um, but what I've realized is the secondary part of that deal is what, what changes a lot. Depending on how much promo you get depends on how much your later price is going to be once you pay for the fuel. So once you blow by your promo amount, you're going to have to purchase it. They might revert you to something that is, say, closer to retail price. Um, so they eventually might make it back up and at least break even on the deal and not lose a bunch of money giving you fuel. Um, some deals that start with a lower promo amount might have a much lower buy it later cost. Um, so eventually they all kind of equal out. Yes, some of the biggest teams do get some pretty good promo deals, but mm-hmm. uh, Renegade gives a really good support deal to the point I'm able to afford quite a large quantity in one shot which is nice i bought like 150 gallons the other day it showed up on a pallet so that's like over 30 pails at my house Hmm. and that'll keep me busy for a big chunk of the season but due to their support i'm able to instead of just barely each week going oh i gotta get like two pails to get through the week a pail to get through a week i'm actually able to afford to purchase Mm -hmm. i do buy my fuel but they help us out a lot and it was cool it was kind of a weird deal where um Tyco split with them late in the season. Um, they had developed a fuel together, which is now a fuel that I have access to. Mm-hmm. So I was able to, I guess, went out on uh, their years of R&D, came around <laughs> to help me like it is. I mean, the bikes we ride, the Honda 250s, are years of R&D information from Geico, and that's why, you know, people go racing. They mm-hmm. developed a fuel with them for years, and now it's a fuel that's hitting the market. It's called SX4 um, Pro. They've had some called, like, SX4, SX4++ and then plus plus but um sx4 pro is new to this year and it's basically what used to be called fcr19 it was a uh, factory connections fuel so mm-hmm. myself is running it like bwr honda is and like one or two other teams they picked up this year all have access to that mm-hmm. fuel which is cool okay so i remember we were kind of chatting you're like oh we can do a four-hour motor or a 12-hour motor or whatever what, what did you end up going with for your motor well, package the, and like the 450s who's... are, are mellow yeah. of course uh, you know it's funny i hear some guys in the pits like oh, i'm getting killed i'll start this and that 
Jerry almost pulled a whole shot at Monster Cup on a bone stock bike with a pipe and fuel and ECU, and we're still very close on the 450s. I think especially where the guys aren't going to spend a massive amount of time on them and they're planning on getting back on a 250, there wasn't much of a point of sinking money into those things and really even bothering to develop anything other than just running like like we are with like J-Piss and some fuel and ECUs and just run them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all suspensions provide race type they're out mapping. The 250 is... And we haven't f- 100% finalized that motor, but I'm actually going to do a video on it. I have no problem saying what's in it. Um, we work with uh, Race Tech, does all the head work, and they've actually done quite a good job with the Honda 250. It's definitely one of the trickiest bikes um, to modify out of the box due to the, I mean, the dual exhaust ports is just a little bit newer to our gr- to like this side of motorsports. So just the information of what to do with the throw percentages on the back side of the valve, what you're doing with that port. Um, some people are trying to weld up. Some people are trying to change it to. It's definitely a screamer motor. People have been bouncing around with ideas of how to make it like really, really low-end responsive for Supercross, and there are ways to do it. Some have negatives. Um, some don't, and Racetech has run into some stuff. Like I showed it initially to somebody I bounce a lot of ideas off and is helping me further is um, – Christian Gibby, who used to help the Geico team. Mm-hmm. So he was very impressed with some of the stuff they were doing. So it was cool because, um, like, Blos and Robin have a long relationship with them. That was honestly one of the hardest things about relationships about doing this team, of course, is I worked for your brother for many years, and I consider him like a second dad. He's, uh, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have my job at Vital. I wouldn't do, be doing any of this if it wasn't mm-hmm. for your brother, um, for the people he introduced me to and, and kind of the path he sent me on. Um, of course, Yes, I, I would absolutely, and this is nothing in offense race. I would absolutely love it if I was working with them right now, with, with Ross and Will and Yoshi. They still, your brother can buy my truck and ate for an hour last week, Yoshi. The whole group <laughs> did. They're all sitting there my truck eating. I don't, you know, we're still like, it, it definitely, I would have liked to. Um, but at the same time, Rob and, and Paul from Race Tech, I dealt with them a lot when I was at Vital. They're like between them and so like everybody, they, that whole group gets along really well. They don't mm-hmm. bicker each other, which I love that they're, um, just very good-minded people. Um, and in my case, the reason we went that route primarily was prior relationship for Jerry and Chris. I knew that the race tech guys could get the job done on both motor mm-hmm. and suspension, but mostly um, it just kind of fell into a right place because Blos has worked with them for like nine years now. He's rode for other teams where he's actually still had those guys do his suspension. It has to run wherever the team sticker is. He has mm-hmm. a lot of trust in it. It was part of the reason how Chris ended up on my program. He had some other... I think he had a few other offers, um, but I think where I fell on support financial stuff was was decent. Um, I don't by far. I don't think I was the best offer on the table, but I did offer something that he really valued was working with the people he wanted to work with. And mm-hmm. and Jerry last year, one of the few people that stepped up and helped him is Race Tech did all his motor and suspension stuff um, for free and built him a f- privateer bike. They basically didn't have to tear down all year, and he was getting amazing starts on. Mm-hmm. So. It was kind of like, okay, it's an easy transition for these guys. Um, so back to the motor thing, working with them. They do the head work. Um, we work with JE on the pistons. They actually are willing to do a bit of custom work. We don't go crazy, but we tweak a couple things to the mm-hmm. production piston for our needs. Um, with the movement to finger follower designed heads, um, the, the cam profiles are much more aggressive. And honestly, stock cams are getting really hard to beat. Um, a lot of people, or some people have probably heard this like, from what I'm aware, like the stock or the factory KTM 250s and the Husky 250s, they're basically using a stock cam. They're just retiming a little bit, like redegreeing with the gear. I think Howie's like that with Tomax right now. 
that's basically what we're doing. We're just reading, um, talking to Kibby and Andrew Ray said they've tried a bunch of different stuff and they're like, Hey, this is really good bang for the buck. You don't have to go crazy with valve springs. Um, crank wise, we're trying a few things. Uh, we tried a few things that were lighter, which a few teams have done, which gives the bike a really snappy response feel, but the inertia doesn't seem to treat the Honda well once you get up to like fourth gear on the whoops it doesn't have enough motor inertia to turn over and it falls flat so we're on a stock crank half um, and we're testing a little bit longer rod combination that comes out of another bike um, that gives it a different dwell time and a little bit different characteristic um, clutches come from Henson um, Vortex ECUs which we have a like 450 stuff Andrew's been doing 250 stuff uh, Kibby's going to work with him to finalize the mapping there and reggae fuel and also we have bikes that are um, dynoing six seven horsepower update like more than stock on different specs um and we don't have to take them apart very often we've i think race motors on east will pop it i think we'll inspect a couple small things at like six hours i don't plan to replace the pistons till a little after 10 um i don't unless there's an issue cranks are never going to come out of the bikes on east coast on race motors practice bikes um starling's got a practice spec right now and it's got over 20 hours on it and i haven't opened it i probably need to <laughs> <laughs> um but no so yeah i think there's the cool part also with racing supercross on 250 um what we have would probably not be that competitive outdoors overall because you know it's part of i think why you see like teams like star do so well outdoors i mean when you have engine performance across the board dialed it really shines outdoors because you're riding the bike at all our, at every range of RPM. It's like a straight drag race. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as much as people play, oh, Supercross is so expensive for 250s, our motors are pretty dirt cheap realistically. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as you can make within about 90 to 95% the power of the top teams and you can make it within the mid-range where it's the most rideable, the bike will be plenty competitive. Mm-hmm. I think it would shock people how many times big big factory level 250 teams have gone into a1 uh, with very little motor work done because of how late they've gone a bike and they're still more competitive than mm-hmm. you realize um yeah it's it's not that bad actually to ride a 250 and supercross yeah you could go psycho and build five hour motors but i think one thing that lands is valuable is i really want to be careful to make sure the guys have practice and race motors that are identical which at my level, no, I can't afford to build identical if they're every little part on them is to the edge, but the level we're at, they can practice and race on the same thing, which at times I think is almost worth more than giving the race motor that extra little push mm. for Comfort, a lot more money. Familiarity. How many, uh, how many bikes 250 wise are you going to have this year? Um, practice? I mean, I'm sure it's more than eight because the yep. four race bikes, four practice bike pit. Yep. More than eight, right? More than eight because um, one complete spare slash dyno bike, I want to leave one together in case we honestly break one during the week and we just don't <coughs> have time to deal with it. If it needs to be operational next day and I am just shorthanded, it's nice to have one extra in rotation. Um, and then one that literally becomes a complete parts bike. It, the plan for one of them is to come out of the crate, never be written. Well, the frame probably needs to be broken. Actually, yeah, we have to put the frame on, so I'm breaking it. Um, it basically becomes a parts bike. So we have a complete swing arm frame on the truck, complete wiring harness, um, get one spare motor out of that. Um, just spare everything instead of wasting a parts budget trying to order all that. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of things I'll give part budget. Yeah, I've stocked up on radiators and subframes and seat bases and so many O-rings and gaskets and, <laughs> and cylinders and heads and spare parts like that to a moderate amount, enough to say that 
like a goal of mine was not to be there's there's a few teams in the pits and this is nothing against them it's just what where financials are they have trucks that don't have parts in them if their dudes weed up there's a high chance that the display bike is getting the subframe taken off of it mm-hmm. like there is the drawers have plenty of teams have bars grips and stickers laying around that's plenty there's plenty of trucks that have that in it on the smaller end but to truly be able to go in i wanted to be to the point that no matter what they weed up we can fix it there's like two complete brake units on the truck front rear for there's one right now by Yosobi two, um, all the spare rotors and clutch parts they need and spokes and uh, plates, radiators, hoses, all, like cases um, or outer cases you can break. I could go on on, but just everything mm-hmm. that you could tear up. Which so far I've realized you can actually tear up more than. I- <laughs> <laughs> at least after looking at Jerry's bike this weekend, I see a big old hole in the swing arm. I'm like, oh my goodness, yeah, I forgot that can happen. Okay, one of the things that, uh, <clears throat> as a business owner, that I've become really aware of is like the need for insurance. Yep. Right, liability insurance and yep. general liability and all that. As a team owner, what are you exposing yourself to? Because like, I was afraid of the liability with the race series, right? Yeah. But like, you're fielding a four guys racing who are going to basically do one of the most dangerous sports in the world under your banner you got four mechanics who are working with sharp objects <laughs> stabbing themselves but i mean is is that a, a very real concern for you as well or are you just not thinking about it <laughs> i mean i've thought about it for but i mean sure. is, it, is there a liability for you as the team owner if i've tried to separate everything related to the team and the truck as much from myself as possible if something's to happen of course mm-hmm. um the the truck and the team are even separate from each other in the way the the companies are set up um the insurance of course the biggest biggest focus just from legalities was the truck side of it, making sure it rolling down the road is fully legit. If it destroys anything inside, destroys anything else that's taken care of. Um, I mean, the races is tricky. Uh, there's not much I can do because the riders are just contracted to do events. They're not true employees. I don't hold insurance for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think every team's like that's kind of up to the rider to carry their own. Um, do you make it a requirement for them to provide you proof that they're insured? Uh, I didn't, but it's signed off that, you know, their contract says it's not my deal <laughs> yeah um but no not not to that extent i i think yeah all of them carry i know all three of them actually i mean i just personally asked them i know each one has what mm-hmm. they need to be legit um in that aspect and like some of the mechanics some of them are some are volunteers they aren't even contract boys or anything it's just yeah it's still it's a certain level of professionalism with quite a bit of grassroots still to it <laughs> there's still a lot of grassroots in there like so when it comes down to that side of it it's like look this isn't some hydro operation i don't have guys in a beautiful race shop working every week we're working mm-hmm. on my three-car garage mm-hmm. i keep all the spares at my dad's shop that's behind his house it's like 2,000 square feet but most of the time we're working out of a three-car garage mm-hmm. that's that's goal for year two is to move that out of my garage <laughs> yeah i want my garage back bad i don't car cars in it but i need to build my own bikes my bikes are in freaking shoved in the corner with a bunch of stuff on top of them right mm. now. Um, but yeah, it's all just to make it work the first year. Like I said, I think honestly it's definitely been ambitious and um, yeah, the truck thing was the biggest headache. It, like I said, on one end, I'm glad we did it. I'm glad we have the professionalism uh, allows us to be able to do different things with sponsors. Um, I'm not in it that much, but at the same time I'm fairly young. I haven't had a huge amount of income for a long like time i bought it out of pocket that hurt 
Yeah. <laughs> Once again, poor financial decision yeah. in life, probably. But, but I mean, there's so many things associated with the team that cost a lot of money. Yeah. Like, how much was the wrap on the semi? Oh, the wrap is so expensive. People did not realize that. Like, I had a friend do it, so I know I paid pretty much, like, okay, it would have been cheaper if I would have used crappy material. I didn't want to use crappy material. I actually wanted to leave the base version of the wrap on, I think, for at least, at least I wanted to make it through two full seasons before I commit, if we get in our spawn, before I commit to painting a design on the truck. Um, all the logos are spot logos, just in case. They're a wrap on top of a wrap, basically. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so wrapping a truck, um, I know what some of the factory teams have paid when they've gone full head to toe with like every door, every crevice, and it can be over $30,000 to wrap it. Yeah. Um, I mean, at like half that, but still that was a huge expense item to have to pay for the material and the, and the labor to put it on up front. That was expensive. Um, I got lucky that my truck was a prior mode truck and it had full awning rigging mm -hmm. to buy all the rigging and a fresh tarp and a hospitality area and the front skirts and everything to do it right. And have it mounted to the truck, that can be fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars, depending on how you spec it and do it. Um, those items alone are, are crazy. Um, like I said, luckily I I had a truck that came with a blank tarp. I'll replace the tarp next year because the tarp's not in the greatest of shape. It's fine enough as long as you look from the outside. If you go under my tawny and look up, it is stained inside. Like when I look up when I'm working the bikes, I'm like. Oh, man, <laughs> I really wish I had some extra money right now. I would love to replace this thing. There's some yeah. strings hanging off from where we unstitched the prior sponsor stuff off of it. From the outside, it looks fine. Underneath, yeah. eh, don't look up. <laughs> but, yeah, no, stuff like that costs a lot. Um, even from the area of doing, like, a hospitality, just a lot of chairs and tables and getting stuff wrapped nice. I didn't go overkill. Not everything is wrapped and logoed under mine. I kind of went to the minimum. Oh, item that is also really expensive. You'll see the factory KTM and Husky teams um, all have that padded flooring. I think mm. Star uses as well. Yeah, yeah. That's like six, seven thousand dollars in flooring. Those click together, the up. click together yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yes. So I try to tarp because I see some of the teams do tarps. You also need a really high price tarp. If you use, if you just go to like, I went to Harbor Freight and bought the thickest tarp they made. That was a hundred dollars. It was so slick. We almost all fell on it every time we'd walk in. So I threw that away after week one. I'm like, that was a waste of $100. Um, I have, I'm not using them right now, but they came with the tr one of the tractors I bought. Um, I have like a marine grade tarp you would put over like shipping container stuff. And that tarp is like $800 new and it's coarser and thicker and it lays out better. Mm -hmm. But just stuff like that. You don't think about toolboxes for the guys. So I have volunteer mechanics. They don't have like... That's one I feel bad for mechanics. You see mechanics with nice boxes, snap on everything. Mechanics are responsible for their tools. They have a lot of money in their toolbox. Yeah. Um, I provide the guys with toolbox. Luckily, a, a buddy of mine, uh, Dan Colvin, um, helped me out. He's got a little company called DCMX Tools. He's doing. Um, he's a, a snap on Blue Point dealer. He helped us out with some. Make sure guys have like. That's my big goal for you. I'm like some things are not going to be, the most properly done but i wanted to make sure the guys had the tools to do the job whether that's the riders the mechanics someone because mm -hmm. i have been around enough small teams to know it can look good from the outside it can be pretty janky on the inside i really didn't want to be janky and that was a big focus even you're talking about the bike so promo like sponsorship yeah the majority of parts on my bike are promo i at least mm -hmm. get the parts without having to pay for them which is gnarly for some companies if they make a cheaper product it's really easy for them to give out a massive amount of that product for some companies that make really good high end parts. And it's a very desirable brand. 
even just them giving you promo items is insanely expensive. Mm-hmm. And when it's a higher end company, there's a lot of teams that are going to them because they don't want crap on their bikes. Yeah. Um, I'm very glad to say I feel like every item on our bike is really high quality. And I'm very happy that a lot of those people stepped up and even gave us the amount of parts we did. I mean, mm-hmm. just in exhaust systems. It's dual pipes on a Honda 250. <laughs> yeah. I feel so bad for Big E. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I haven't saw Crow. Those guys have been awesome. But they, like, I mean, you don't even think about how many pipes guys burn through a year, even if they don't crash. Just to make sure everybody has practice, race, and enough spares to be proper, mm-hmm. $40,000, $50,000 in exhaust systems. And, you know, some people go, oh, well, this guy won't give me a free item. Eh, they still have a lot of money in that free item. Oh, yeah. Even though there's not money attached. So there's plenty of places along the line I gave up the opportunity to get money with product to make sure we had the right product because mm-hmm. I just didn't want anything. I wanted people to walk by, look at the step, know that we're trying our best um, for Honda and some of our bigger partners. I wanted them to know that we were going to put our best foot forward and I wasn't going to screw around and mess with stuff like that. I wasn't going to put something on the bike that was going to make them scratch their head. Mm-hmm. What role does Chaparral play? I think you said something about plugging the products that they sell. Yeah, it's something... When we get to East, we'll be better about it. I'll actually probably post something out this week. Um, we've got, like, I have a little promo code with them, but basically um, starting probably this week under the videos, there will be links back to Shap, if, um, which will have a tracking code. We get a small chunk of anything spent there, just like how you see widgets that lead to Amazon and stuff for content creators. Mm-hmm. Um, it allows us to show the brands that are working with us, hey, people are going to listen to what we're doing. They're going to go on and purchase some stuff i can share that data back with them that we actually sold you know gear helmets of that brand um you give shop an easier opportunity to be like hey we're kind of earning our keep um when i left vital um i worked with them quite a bit at vital they were a really great advertiser and they started when i came there with an idea i pitched them and um kevin and crystal and, and even dave Danros have been awesome when i left vital to basically give me a paycheck to do content with their name on they i gave them some initial ideas i probably didn't stay to that list very well i just ran around they helped me with the shootout stuff for acquiring the bikes and stuff they've they've done a really amazing job of if i just come to them with a crazy idea no they don't fork over giant paychecks but they they support me when i have ideas and that's i really gotta thank that brand especially um because they take on other stuff i can't go into great details about, but it has to do with the bike situation. Um, mm-hmm. They they help out. Like basically, Honda has loan pool bikes. Um, they have to go to. They have to be sold when they're done. Like me and yours, media bikes. When we return mm-hmm. them, they get sold to dealers. Yeah, probably some of my bikes will end up on their dealership floor when it's done. They they took on helping with some things like that to make sure that you know Honda wasn't losing a bunch of money on bikes for us. They're still able to still make money, but they took up some commitments. So it was really awesome of them. Um, otherwise I wouldn't have been able to pull it off without their help. Mm-hmm. It was actually, I'll give you one last one. It's really funny. Uh, Dave Damron comes by his week. Obviously, uh, he's the owner of Chaparral yeah. Motorsports. I mean, they've run road race teams, supercross teams, everything shows up at the race, no credential. I think he just has standard ticket, just plain old t-shirt and just comes wandering over my truck. Wouldn't even come pay or comes over and starts talking to my dad for him. And my dad hasn't met him. And my dad's like, you're talking about some of the stuff. And he's like, Oh, here he goes. Oh, uh, my name's Dave. Dave Danner shakes my dad's hand. My dad's like, oh, you uh, own Chapra. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's such a good cool He's really low-key when he came by. <laughs> Dave's still mad at me. Oh, what did you do? Well, do you remember? You have to remember. There was a commercial that Chaparral had during Supercross. <clears throat> and it started out with a guy riding, riding through the pits at Milestone with like a baseball jersey on. Yeah. And some clapped out helmet with no visor. And everybody's pointing at him and laughing. 
And then it's like, gosh, Aperol can hook you up, make you look pro. And then, you know, he comes out of the shop, the, all the doors, shiny the light, stuff. The, yeah. the light behind him, like, and he's all decked out, right? Yeah. But like, I saw that commercial and I thought it was kind of lame because it made our sport look super elitist. Yeah. And it made it look like, oh, you don't want to be a goon and be at the track because you'll get pointed at and made fun of, right? So I just, I think it was my Twitter or, or my Instagram, but I just wrote, man, come on, guys. That's kind of lame. That makes our sport look super douchey. And a lot of people, like, got on it. And it was my personal Instagram. It wasn't Transworld at the time. And it caused a big stink, right? And then they had Andy Taylor recreate the commercial. Yep. And it, it was bad in two levels. One, because it made the sport look super elitist and hard to get into. And two, when he was in his Goonie stage, he was wearing X-Brand goggles. <laughs> Rich, I heard him. And it was Rich. bad for Rich, right? It's like, oh, you associate dorks who get pointed at and laughed at with X-Brand goggles. Yeah. Because when he popped back out, he had Oakley's on. Yeah. So for two reasons, I thought that that was a poorly done commercial. But it's like, hey, I've been telling my opinion, right? Yeah. But he's he's still holding that grudge. He's butthurt at me. I know I know. Uh, Rich asked me the other day he wanted to talk to him. I think, I think Rich might. I'd have to check again. I know he talked to him, but uh, no, everybody everybody makes mistakes. It happens. Uh, uh, well, I <laughs> wasn't in the wrong. No, that's what I said. <laughs> I meant on there. The commercial. I know the commercial. It wasn't the best. No, everybody needs a little help with creative here and there. <laughs> so, uh, some, okay, when the Supercross season, or wait, no, let's talk about you and your creative, creating content, right? Yeah. So, I haven't heard a Talking Boy podcast in a while. Yeah, um, um, teams I mean, eat up more life than they're supposed to. My yeah, definitely. My ultimate like, goal was to... I think to you're in a good position to create some rad behind-the-scenes yeah. videos, but I'd have to say it'd probably be hard to do it um, yeah. with your workload at a race, right? Yeah, it's it's getting better. I was finally able to create more content for me, too. I'm actually going to post some tonight, like we're doing a list, basically, of, hey, how much parts can you destroy at a Supercross? Yeah. And a couple of things. Big thing for me is... Budget's still everything. While I have some great video people like to help me, I like Joe Carlino and Jordan Powell helped me the first episode. My focus is still mainly around the East Coast. Mm -hmm. um, so the way I'm going to spend yeah, budget for video stuff. Yeah, you're just getting tuned up right now. Yeah. Just like the riders, you're yeah, tuned up. Yeah, it was just me and Blossom went to St. Louis. Um, we have some stuff from A2. Um, but yeah, it's finally getting to the point that I have enough time to go, like I'll go home and hit some GoPros tonight and some other stuff. I'm finally getting cleared out to the point we can get rolling. Um, just from waiting on financial, I was so busy with the guys in November and just piecing together so many parts of it, getting the truck last minute. Like, I was not going to bed every night till like, midnight, and I was getting back up at 4 a.m. and on phone calls with people on the East Coast. It, I wanted to be more active with my content like I'd been prior, but, man, it just... Oh, I did not go... I did laugh. I, I, I had a pretty good hiatus there on youtube for a little bit and i threw out a video and then the title is my worst idea ever i'm starting a supercross team and it did really well and i was stoked mm -hmm. that people were still at least subscribing while i was bumming out for a few weeks of not doing anything um yeah so we're getting caught up it's the next even a1 to a2 was drastically different anybody that knows me that was around the truck was like oh my god you actually have a smile on your face i'm like yes i don't want to kill myself today because <laughs> a1 i was going to kill myself i i i saw i've never seen so, I've never seen so little track time of bikes when I've gone to a Supercross. A1, I was so busy, I barely caught my own guys' practice. Mm -hmm. Not even enough I could give them any advice or line selection, like, hey, this guy's doing this, or if he's set for the section. I, I couldn't do anything. A1, it was just, like, logistically some stuff. I screwed up on my end, paperwork with passes and 
just we oh my god of a course of all things I had multiple people joke with me that one of the biggest problems with race team trailers are the lift gates on the rear they go up to the upper level and down you load everything on lift gate on my trailer has worked just fine since i bought it except for saturday morning at a1 it broke when it came out about a foot from the door the controller unit fried in my hand like there was something cr- like short circuiting it was mm-hmm. kept frying the control and popping the breaker um so i couldn't get the door open on my trailer so we had to shimmy the bikes out the front side door <laughs> and then i couldn't get the barbecue and a bunch of the stuff i need from upstairs out and we were trying to hand it out to this car- oh my god that morning like i said of all the days it decides to die not even friday when Season i kept moving over. it around <laughs> it does it saturday morning at 8 a.m <laughs> Oh, so just stuff like that. It's, it's, my life has cleared out a lot. It's, it, it's actually really funny. I got a call from Kehoe the one morning, pretty, fairly early, maybe around 6 a.m. And I answer, he's like, oh, you're up. And I'm like, yeah, I always get up early. And he's like, well, he goes, I've actually been up since five and I need me to call you. And I was going to call you at five. And I thought, nah, he's probably not up. And then Kehoe said, then he goes, I realized, oh, he's running a race team. He doesn't sleep anymore. I'm going to call him. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm starting to feel their their pain. I've been rolling around the pits joking with which I imagine I'm like, I know your guys' pain now. This mm-hmm. sucks. Like it's fun, but it sucks at the same time. Probably okay, I'm not gonna say my position sucks that much worse. I you know, definitely at a factory level team there's probably a lot different type of stresses to deal with, but my stress is how many different jobs I do. Yeah. Ugh. I'm actually getting my CDL so I can drive the truck again too for a round that I need to. I flew to St. Louis and I was blows as mechanic. I've built multiple of the race bikes. I've done motors. I've done suspension. Mm-hmm. I'm doing all of the team's contracts. I'm trying to do the content. Um, yeah, it's just aligning. Even stupid stuff. I walked in and I was still sending emails because I was getting um, our riders are running like new painted helmets this weekend for a sponsor. Um, and then... But being that it's um, Blos' hometown race, FXR was really cool, made him a one-off gear that we're actually going to donate for the uh, as part of the St. Jude's deal, mm-hmm. um, which we'll have gear for the St. Jude's around this year, but we also did a one-off for him for Arizona. And I'd order paint helmets, but his one-off gear for Arizona is quite different, so I was trying to oh. scramble and get another helmet made this week, and then I also found out we broke parts this morning, so i got to go to Honigas. <laughs> like, it's just little stuff every day that you're chasing. I need a full-time parts iron runner. Like, Mm-hmm. that's something I realize I actually need really badly is somebody just to drive around California all day. <laughs> Let's re-put the ad out for a race team intern. Yeah. Unpaid. I'm unpaid. I mean, there's a reason why I've seen some teams do it. I, I literally need a full-time parts runner. So if you live in California and you're bored, hit me up um, if you like sitting in traffic all day. Yeah. Hey, so, okay, so Cody Shock is hurt already, right? Yes, yeah, sadly. Is your team of the status where you will have to have fill-in riders if if somebody falls hurt. down on east we need to based on the way um because originally cody was a replacement for jeff walker because of jeff's um college schedule into school it just wasn't gonna work for him to do supercross properly um so i brought on cody last minute to kind of fill his shoes because we had two sponsors um boysen and fxr that had a close tie with cody so their contract to me they both not like shoved but they're both like hey since you're down a guy would you know cody's our guy I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I like Cody. Um, I know the kid's got great work ethic. And the first couple of days we had my bike, I mean, the kid was giving it literally is all. I was stoked on that. Like, mm-hmm. I could just tell he was so happy to have the opportunity because he's a pretty small kid. It was going to be his first year in Supercross. He was going to ride a 450. Um, but 
sadly Thursday before A1, the last day everybody, they were all just going to go ride for the whole, hey, we just want to go ride for an hour this morning since we're not doing press or anything. I'm running around getting some last minute stuff to care for A1, I get a call about 11 o'clock and he's like apologizing over and over. I'm like, what's up? He goes, dude, he goes, I broke both my arms. I'm like, yeah. what? You like I feel bad for not like what like for I'm like oh my god you broke both your arms he's like yeah I'm driving back to my house I'm like how are you driving back to your house he goes well I don't know I broke my arms my wrists I'm like driving with my elbows right now oh my god <laughs> and sure enough he broke both of his radiuses didn't even crash yeah. just there was a chuck hole in the bottom of a transition so the rear hit it got light spun up the face in the next triple so he he lost drive nosed in and the impact um, broke both his radiuses one on you know on each yeah. arm. Your two bones are side by side in your forearms. Um, luckily, no surgery. He'll be back for Seattle on. So he'll, mm-hmm. he could be back in time to do Daytona, but we talked about it. If he comes back at Daytona, he'll be on the bike for only a week. He gets to do five East Coast rounds. If he waits to Seattle, he gets almost a month of riding in, and he gets to do four West Coast rounds. We ain't winning championships here. It's the kid's first time doing Supercross. We just kind of said, it's like, hey, it's one less round experience, but you get a month under your belt to get ready. You're mm-hmm. coming off two injuries. What if there's still, like, Daytona is going to be brutal? Yeah. Let's just make sure you're right and you get the four best rounds you can out of it. So he'll be back. If somebody, if one of three guys hits the deck on East Coast, which we joke about all the time, I'm like, hey, let's just be honest here. Statistically, one of you is probably getting hurt this yeah. year. <laughs> I'm not going to have any thoughts about otherwise. Um, if it's, like, small wreck and they're out around. No, but if they're out for a big chunk of it, yes, we will fill in our, our con. Not many of our contracts. It's mostly once you get into, you know, good cash sums of transfer, you're pro- promising that sponsor a decent amount of stuff, mm-hmm. and it is required. Um, definitely a big difference between a team of our size and a factory-level team. Um, a lot of people will complain, oh, why isn't there somebody on uh, Muscan's bike? Well, there wasn't really anyone available that could put it in even in the main every week. It's a lot of money to operate them no matter what. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember I asked Jay, like, here's just a number for somebody. I asked Jay Bone one time. I'm like, what does it cost, you know, with the Phil situation? I'm like, what does it cost to run a third bike at your guys' level for the year? I'm like, let's, let's take out out of account rider salary. Let's talk about all the logistics for that rider, the mechanic, the flights, the parts, the bikes, the spares, the flying of suspension, the motors, everything you're going to spend. What's it going to take? He said probably around $300,000. So look at if you're KTM's point. Yeah. Are you going to run a second bike for a dude? Probably can't make a main and spend $300,000 for a year to do it if you're not even paying the dude a dime. Or are you going to focus on, on Cooper? Um, the way their contracts are in, they just have to supply one guy. Mm. Um, and I understand that. But, yeah, it depends. I think you get outside the factory where the OEM isn't flipping the big chunk of the bill and you are, you know, reliant on large outside sponsorship or quantities of money to move. You've promised that sponsor something in return to make it happen. And depending on the relationship and how many missed races that is, you know, sometimes they'll ask for it, sometimes they won't. Mm-hmm. Like in Cody's case, I know FXR and Boys and New, we did our, like, our best to fill just shoes and they know we're going to support Cody when it comes back and it's only a few rounds and we have guys still racing on the 450s on those races. So it's like, okay, it's cool. Let's just focus on letting Cody get recovered, make sure his bikes are available when he gets back there under someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so we chose to go that route. Cool. What about Pure Canna? That's actually, so it's kind of cool is that's where in debut um, helmets 
with them this week. They've been mm-hmm. on Jersey and logo our stuff on the truck. Um, the owners are Glendale. They're going to be coming by. Um, it's something that could grow into some more. We're still kind of working through that right now. They've been a really cool partner. Um, Sean Miller over there. Are, you, really are good. you relying on the uh, tincture to mellow you out? <laughs> the what? The CBD tincture. Oh, no. The drops. We're, we're, oh, man, dude. I needed those. I will admit, like, <laughs> okay, I'm not a person that takes a lot of any i don't take anything i've i've been literally laying at the track with bones sticking out of my leg and my arm twists around my back broken like third place all stuff i don't take pain medication mm-hmm. i i have some family not me person but i have family history with substance abuse and seen it firsthand mm-hmm. um with with pills i won't take pain medication yeah. like at all i can be in the ungodly pain you can barely convince me of taking a leave um I'm also very stubborn about taking medication when I'm sick. I'm not some Western, like, I like holistic stuff. I just don't take stuff. I'm an idiot, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. Um, CB stuff last year, I'll admit I had my whole theory of, like, oh, this is probably snake oil, whatever. I don't care. Dude, that and, and stuff. That, and that's where it comes to, my own learning experience. Um, I definitely use some of the lotions and stuff. Um, I have really bad chronic issues with my left shoulder, so I had a, a crash when I was 14. I, I won't go down the full injury list, but what I did to my arm was only a portion of it, and I ended up breaking my humerus, my upper arm bone in two places. I broke the ball joint off the end of the humerus and shoved it through the whole shoulder sock and destroyed it. Um, in the process, I basically, the muscle like on the outside of the arm here does like nothing anymore. Mm-hmm. So the kind of rowing motion on the bike pulling my um, shoulder blade, the muscle kind of below that, my back, I can't remember, I'm not good with muscles. Whatever one that is works way too hard. So... I get these like chronic, you know, acid knots really bad that side. Like they're like bigger than golf balls. They feel like baseballs. Um, and I really struggle unless I go to sport, unless I'm training and going to sport massages all the time and stuff like that. My shoulders just crap. Um, like there are lotions and stuff for that. I noticed the bigger difference in. So it's like, okay, maybe this mm-hmm. stuff really does do something. The biggest eye opener was um, this November. When I talk about stress, like, there was some stuff with sponsors and not having the truck I was supposed to have and stuff. Like, beginning November, I was losing my mind. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, this – there was a two-week period where I didn't think I was going to pull this off. And mm-hmm. I would promised to ride some certain things. I'm like, I, I was just losing my mind every night. Like, how am I going to get out of this? Not out of this. Like, I'm doing team. Like, how am I going to get out of this not happening thing? I am making this happen no matter what. Um I was waking up at two. I've never had like real anxiety problems. I was waking up at 2 a.m. with my heart rate at like 160, shaking and sweating in full panic attacks for like two weeks like that. Um, no, the like the drops fix that. Yeah. I, I could actually sleep a real night um, with, with the drops that Pure makes. So I was, that definitely opened my eyes to, you know, I've seen what it does for people that have like seizures issues and, and, and other stuff like that. I'm trying to think of some of the, you know, disabilities, peel shade and some of the stuff. And I was really surprised at the, uh, the effect as, so I'm definitely a, a believer now per se, even my, like I joke, my, my dad's the kind of old school dude that if you joked about like, say marijuana, he'd make probably a devil's lettuce joke or yeah. something in return. <laughs> um, I got, he started actually taking uh, like CBD supplement pills for, uh, he's got some major hip problems. I mean, the guy will literally get up in the morning and have to drag his leg around because his hip doesn't freaking work worth anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom started feeding those to him. Well, I think without even telling him, and it, it definitely big help for him on like some of the muscle lock issues he has on his right hip and stuff. 
Um, to was funny the point he had I didn't even actually know he was on him and then my mom mentioned it the other day and she's like hey can you get me something I'm like huh, I have a sponsor for that yeah <laughs> yes I remember my dad joked he goes you finally picked up two sponsorships that helped me for once in your life he goes you have a snap-on tool guy which my dad buys a lot of snap-on tools yeah and you have equipment guy he goes and you have a CBD guy and I take CBD now yeah <laughs> So no, that's um, that stuff's been an eye opener. I didn't think it was gonna be that big a difference, and you know, um, my one of my riders, Jerry Robin, was the one that had that relationship and contact with that brand, and mm-hmm. he's been using the product for quite a while and believed in it. And then slowly, their guys on the teams have all kind of started using it and, and seen definitely noticeable. And um, you're gonna laugh, one of them for anxiety. If you see me at the races now, I've been having I've been having toothpicks all day. They have CBD. Uh, toothpicks now. Yeah. And I literally walk around with one of those all day and I swear to God, it keeps me calmer. (laughs) (laughs) I went through like six of those things at A1. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) As random as that sounds. Yeah, dude. Um, Sean Miller, cool guy for sure. Yeah, you did one of these with him, right? Yeah. But uh, before that, I mean, he was at our race series all the time. Okay, what's so weird? Quick one. Nobody listening probably knows, but the main guy for the action sports side, Pure Con, Sean Miller, He's been around the industry forever. He knows every person I know we had never met until like two months ago. And it was so weird because talking to him, he's been around the same people I have at all the same times. It was just kind of one of those funny, like, how have I never met you? Mm-hmm. You know, everybody I know and you know, and he knew who I was from everybody I knew and I know who he was, but I never yeah. met him. <laughs> you know Super how random. I knew him? His dad races my class. Oh, really? For some reason, I would always line up next to his dad and Sean would talk shit to me. Oh, my dad's going to work you. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, definitely. We're, we're starting to work with him as well. Yeah. Really excited about that. But, uh, Hey man, um, I, I wrote it on my Instagram, dude. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I'm happy for you and I'm impressed at what you've been off able to pull off. And, uh, it was, uh, it was a struggle. I was, I was very stoked. I will say the funniest thing was pulling into a one when the truck finally parked on Thursday, the amount of people that came by and said, holy shit, you actually made it here. <laughs> it was yeah. surprising, but uh, we had quite the line A one. I was stoked how many people came by. Like, it's not that I needed the affirmation, but uh, I will say it was nice to see how many people appreciated. I've I, I publicly said on Paul about herself why I'm doing this, and it was so cool to see people, like, appreciate that we did this for a good reason. Like I said, mm-hmm. I'm not motor, – more sports teams – don't typically make money if you want to make money you know the joke old sage is do you want to make a million dollars with a race team you better start with two it's it's not um, something i ever plan on it making me a bunch of money i can make some money off the content through youtube a little bit at least enough to pay my bills and not lose my house Mm -hmm. um but no I, i really did it for the reason of trying to help some people go racing and hopefully build a a home that can give some guys some opportunity and i've been it was nice to hear from you. So many people came by at the first round. They were just stoked that it was there. It was definitely made the months of grueling torture before it feel a lot more worth it. Okay. Well, hey, in closing, the team's Instagram is? FXR underscore Chaparral underscore Honda. So if you punch that in, or if you go to me or any of my riders, IGs, Jerry Robin, Starling, Blows all have it in their bio. Um, yeah, check it out. I usually post a lot of stories. I do Q&As with the riders at the races. We're going to be posting more links to the content from it. My goal is to try to show people, uh, like I said, we were so busy preseason. I didn't get to film a lot of it. I'm going to go back through now, give guys like tour of my truck, how I set it up, um, show people the motors we're building and why. I, I don't, like, other than the typical, oh, 
we did know, like a, we'll do some behind the scenes videos at the races, but I also want to show people all the headache it's taken to do this. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to people to see really what it took to do this um, going into it because it's definitely more than I expected. <laughs> all right, on man. Uh, I'll be at Tampa. Excited to watch your guys make yeah, their official debut. That's the big one, so. 250 East. That's where the results will come, and I think the hard work will pay off. Right on. All right. Hey, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Don Moeda and Michael Lindsay signing off. We put our heads together to both reimagine and lift the bar on what a modern motocross helmet should be. Opt for the highest level of modern technology and energy dispersion with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Designed for an elevated defense against a wider range of real-world impact scenarios. Globally engineered with the most advanced materials and technologies available. Outfit yourself with proven technology, lightweight performance, and elevated impact management with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet.